It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Getting this to you early. On a Monday this week, and if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. He is Joe Dolan, number one ranked fantasy analyst over the last five years, according to Fantasy Pros, and we got him. At FG underscore Dolan. Absolutely love Joe Dolan. I am Ross Tucker. Former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, five podcasts, Ross Tucker football podcast, even money, college draft, this here fantasy feast, and I'll count Andrew Brandt's business of sports podcast. There's other ones too, by the way, Hazard Ground, College Football Bros, um, Fantasy Football, the Ball Blast pod with the Majuke ladies. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Speaking of awesome, Joe, those games... Wild card weekend, absolutely ridiculous. I am already beyond fired up for the divisional round. Can't wait to be in the booth in Baltimore on Saturday night. We need to make sure that we know who we should be putting in our lineups or at least considering and who we shouldn't from a DFS perspective this weekend over at DraftKings. The bad news, only a few more weeks left in football season. Good news, you can still get your fantasy fixed with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. If you've never played before, even more reason to celebrate. You can play for a $1 million top prize this weekend. You'll love it. For all four games, every run, throw, and catch, mean more when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's crazy easy. You just pick your team, stand under the salary cap, and see how you stack up against the other people. It's awesome to watch the game having a shot at the $1 million top prize. Plus, all new. Here's what's cool, okay? All new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. Download the DraftKings app now. Use code FEAST for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. Remember, that's code FEAST, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings. Dot com for details. All right, Joe, another weekend of glorious playoff football. No chance it lives up to wildcard weekend, but it'd be nice if it did. But what about from a DFS perspective? Any different from the divisional round from the wild card, or is it basically the same coaching points exactly as a week ago? Exact, exact same coaching points. Uh, and the one thing I would try to uh, tell people to avoid doing is 
If you're going to play the chalk, you have to understand the risks of doing so because I had Drew Brees far and away as my number one quarterback here uh, in the wild card round and stacking him with Michael Thomas and Jared Cook just was not a profitable strategy even when uh, getting somebody like Dalvin Cook and DK Metcalf into my lineup. And I like those players, but, you know, if you miss on the chalk, sometimes the results will surprise you. I said on last week's podcast, the only result that would truly surprise me from the wildcard round was Minnesota going into New Orleans and winning. Well, we saw that that happened. So the last thing I would do is just assume that one of these teams is going to be a runaway winner. We have some longer lines than we had in the wild card round, which means we have some more big favorites. And those are going to be the more popular teams. The, the lines were mostly balanced here uh, in the wild card round. But in the divisional round, we have some bigger favorites. And I'm going to be interested to see what the deployment is because maybe you could get some DFS value by uh, loading up on good players from the road teams. I like that. That's well said, Joe. And what's interesting about the Vikings game is that that was no fluke. I mean, they kind of bashed the Saints' brains in. If they it really weren't did. for Taysom Hill, that game would have been a blowout. Now they go out to San Francisco. They take on the Niners. Let's start with the Vikings. They just played yesterday. Should be fresh in your mind as we record this, of course, on a Monday this week. What are your thoughts on the Vikings' skill guys going into San Fran? Well, first and foremost, I had no idea, and I don't, I don't know how anybody could have had any idea of what to expect from Adam Thielen in that game. This was a player who, from week eight through the end of the season, had just three total catches, obviously dealt with the hamstring injury. Well, he looked like himself out there, seven for 129. At least in the second half, he looked like himself. And on that big play that set up the game-winning touchdown to Kyle Rudolph, the controversial touchdown, I should point out, uh, he tracked that ball beautifully from Kirk Cousins. And there was a perfect example of why not every fast guy is a great deep wide receiver, nor why every guy who might not be the fastest can't catch balls deep because you have to play center field. You have to be able to track the ball in the air. And Adam Thielen did that beautifully seven for 129 against new Orleans. I think it's fair to say that that guy, well, he's kind of back and, and it's very interesting to see uh, how people are going to treat him. I think his price, uh, I haven't looked at the prices yet, but I think it's going to rise um, no doubt about that. So Adam Thielen, uh, I think, is finally back on the radar. But then you also have to look at the fact that Stefan Diggs was kind of a ghost in that game. And Stefan Diggs, I thought, was going to draw the shadow matchup of Marshawn Lattimore. As a matter of fact, he actually got it from Janoris Jenkins. So uh, it, very interesting to see what the 49ers are going to do. They don't typically shadow. They play sides. Um, but I think this is going to be a tough matchup for Minnesota on the perimeter, and that's why, in a very roundabout way, I'm telling you that I think this is a very good spot to keep rolling with Dalvin Cook, who was absolutely phenomenal in that game against New Orleans. He was. Um, what about Kyle Rudolph and Kirk Cousins? Well, Cousins is going to be, I think, a mid-range quarterback for this week. And if you think because the, the Vikings are underdogs, he's going to be throwing. I think you can look at his performance last week and say, hey, you know what? This guy went on the road, won a playoff game. Yeah, and, and he destroyed a lot of narratives, Ross. And, and I, I'm I'm pretty anti-narrative when it comes to certain players. Um, Minnesota, you know, Kirk Cousins is a loser until he's not anymore. A guy is injury-prone until he's not. A guy's healthy until he finally gets hurt. Like, 
Kirk Cousins, a, a lot of these things were out of his control, and he took c- c- care of what was in, in control, and he went on the road and won in a really tough spot. I think San Francisco is probably a little bit better team than New Orleans, but Kirk Cousins just went on the road and won in perhaps the toughest spot he could play in in the playoffs. So as a six-and-a-half-point underdog, right now we're looking at a line of 45 total points. That's the lowest uh, of the games that I'm seeing right now uh, on the uh, on the slate, but it's certainly high enough to consider rolling with Kirk Cousins. As for uh, as for Kyle Rudolph, you know what you're getting into with Kyle Rudolph. Uh, he's a guy who you're basically looking for a touchdown. And San Francisco was overall pretty darn good against tight ends this year. They gave up just uh, the the sixth fewest fantasy points per game to the position, and actually this season gave up the fewest receiving yards of all teams to the tight ends. Just 552 receiving yards in 16 games. Wow. Yeah, I'm totally with you on the narrative. I actually root in almost every game for Against whoever the narrative? the narrative is to, to for them to crush the narrative. I, I want – because what it is is it's people that are lazy and don't do the analysis that just use it as a crutch. Totally, totally with you. Let's get to San Francisco, Jimmy G, and the Niners. I feel like they've become a narrower fantasy team with they Debo have. Samuel and Kittle – and Mostert, what do you got? And Emmanuel Sanders, for sure. Um, he, he's also still involved. Now, here's the thing. The backfield, uh, Tevin Coleman had a huge game. Uh, I think it was back in, like, week eight. Uh, it was against the Panthers, who hemorrhaged running back points all year. Remember, he had the four touchdowns in that game? Since that game, he has one total touchdown. Tevin Coleman has not topped 10 touches in a game since week 12. So even for DFS on a narrow slate, he's only a low-end option as they've committed to Raheem Mostert in that backfield. Uh, um, Matt Breida has not had 10 touches in a game since week 10. So Again, they have committed to Raheem Mostert. Uh, Coleman and Breida are only roster fillers at this point. Now... You look at the fact that I believe Minnesota to be more exploitable through the air than on the ground. The key, however, is that pass rush. And I I think, Ross, you probably noticed it early in that game as well. Minnesota just whipped the Saints at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They got after Drew Brees. They were good against the run. uh, And and pressuring Drew Brees didn't allow him to sit in the pocket, deliver the ball comfortably to Michael Thomas the way he has all year. So the pass protection is going to be utterly huge for the San Francisco 49ers in this game because if Jimmy Garoppolo can get pressured, you can force this guy into mistakes and you can force him into turnovers. But we've seen what happens when he's able to be kept clean. This is somebody who had three games of four four touchdown passes on the year. So he's had huge games this season, has Jimmy Garoppolo. So I would look at at this as a really important battle at the line of scrimmage because I still don't think that uh, that Minnesota can cover all that well. Obviously, uh, they put Mike Hughes on IR. Mackenzie Alexander was inactive. Xavier Rhodes has not played particularly well this year as a full body of work. So I actually do still view this as a positive matchup for Debo Samuel, for Emmanuel Sanders, and for Jimmy Garoppolo, if you think the 49ers are going to be able to protect in this game. George Kittle, I mean, forget about it. He and Travis Kelsey are playing this week. You're going to have some very high-end tight end options. There were not too many of them in the wild card round. That's probably the biggest change here uh, in DFS. You can play George Kittle against anybody. Uh, I mean, I'm not breaking any news there. Uh, the Vikings gave up a lot of receiving yards to tight ends this year. Matter of fact, uh, they gave up... Up, um, 
They gave up 786 receiving yards and 84 catches, but their production was held down. They gave up the eighth most catches to tight ends, but the production was held down by the fact that they gave up just one touchdown. And and you you know from doing fantasy all these years that touchdowns are very much fluky. I would think George Kittle has a good shot to break through that. Mentioned last week that Minnesota had given up all those catches to tight ends. They just they just didn't let teams get in the end zone. I think George Kittle's got a good shot to break through that. No qualms whatsoever with ranking Kittle at the top of my board this week. Anything else on San Francisco, Joe? Well, I think Raheem Mostert is the only running back you feel really good about. Um, but I do think, in a large part, Debo Samuel's become an important part of their team. He's very good after the catch. Um, he's explosive. He's physical. Reminds me a lot of like a more explosive Pierre Garçon. Uh, for somebody 49er fans are going to remember. I think there's a little bit of Anquan Bolden in his game, but I just think he's more athletic at his best. Now, look, Anquan Bolden might be going to the Hall of Fame. I'm not trying to say Debo Samuel's going to do that, but he's he's got that kind of skill, that nastiness, that edge to him that I really like watching, and I think they have started to really lean on him as the go-to player on the perimeter with George Kittle being the guy that they go to basically in all situations. But Debo Samuel's numbers of late, very strong. He had a 5-for-102 receiving against Seattle in Week 17. Back-to-back games to end the season with rushing touchdowns. So they try to get the ball in his hands in whatever way possible. I think Debo Samuel is going to be a very popular DFS play this week. Okay, let's get to the next game. Uh, It's the game that I'm going to be at. I'll be in the booth for it, Joe. Very much looking forward to it. Yeah, in the booth. So if anybody's driving around Saturday night, please listen to the Westwood One broadcast. It is the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Why don't we start with the Titans since we just saw them. My one comment on the Titans would be this, Joe. I know Derrick Henry was amazing and giving him a lot of credit. Can we talk about their offensive line kicking some serious butt in that game? I mean, how many runs did he get five yards before he was touched? I mean, he had he had a two hundred fifty pound freight train with a with a ten yard runny at you. Well, and here's the thing about Henry. I think when Derrick Henry struggled at the beginning of his career, and this was actually a question I had about Derrick Henry when he was coming out uh, of Alabama, we nobody would deny how unbelievably physically gifted Derrick Henry was. But I thought a lot of times he danced a little bit too much at the line of scrimmage, and it robbed him of his downhill power and made him a lot easier to tackle than you would think. I think Derrick Henry, over these past uh, kind of kind of 18 months, uh, over the past kind of uh, season and a half, he has really been committed, and the Titans have done a great job of getting him the ball in downhill situations. He knows he's the foundation back. And the thing about Henry is even when he was struggling early in his career, when he got to the open field and he got ahead of steam, he was unstoppable. And I think you're seeing Derrick Henry with a change in mentality, plus, as you said, the the improvement of the offensive line have really made him as hard a running back to stop as there is in the entire NFL. So there's no secret here. They're going to start their offensive attack with Derrick Henry. It's not a secret, and 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 it and it shouldn't be. Now, Baltimore has been really good defensively all season long. However, they did give up 11 rushing touchdowns to the to the running back position, basically 14th, 15th in the league. So it's it, it, if you're going to pick one matchup that isn't restrictive in this game, 
it would be Derrick Henry against this run defense. Uh, I made a comment on Twitter over the weekend that Baltimore and Tennessee might get to halftime in 45 minutes. Ross, I, I, I think you're going to have enough time to catch your flight if you're flying out of Baltimore because the way these two teams run the ball, I think it could be a really quick type of game. And we know what Tennessee's going to do. They're going to start with the run game. Ryan Tannehill threw for under 80 yards in their first playoff game. And, and maybe he didn't play all that well, but Derrick Henry was the best player on the field, at least in their mind. They got the ball in his hands, and he and he was just somebody that the Patriots could not stop, even though they knew they needed to stop him. So Derrick Henry's going to get the ball. I faded him for DFS. It turned out to be a mistake. And on FanDuel, he was too expensive for me, but... It, he showed why he's going to get the ball a ton. And I think he's going to carry the ball easily more than Ryan Tannehill throws the ball in this game, barring a complete collapse by the Titan defense. Derrick Henry is going to be right up there at the top of the running back ranks this week. Do you like Janu? Do you like AJ Brown? Anybody else on the Titans that you would consider in this matchup? A tough matchup for AJ Brown. Uh, we mentioned last week, uh, Stefan Gilmore would follow him around. The Patriots would, would key on him. Um, he did not do anything in that game. Now, some of that was on Tannehill. Some of that was on the game flow. But you would think since the Titans are going to be trying to play the same exact way, AJ Brown could struggle to get going. Just one catch for four yards against New England. And again, they're going up against a great secondary. Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, who just got a contract extension. We know what they have back there in Earl Thomas. So this is a very tough uh, matchup for A.J. Brown. He's more of a GPP option. I would think he's going to have more than four receiving yards in that game, but you would think he's more of a GPP, not a cash game option here. Um, I, I really got burned, Ross, because I made a prop bet. Um, Corey Davis, I said, look, the guy had three or more catches in three straight games entering the playoffs. A.J. Brown is going to be shut down. I was right on about that analysis. Unfortunately, Corey Davis didn't catch a pass in that game. I don't know how you can go with the Titan receiver not named A.J. Brown. Even if Adam Humphreys were to come back from injury, I don't know how you could get him in there. Uh, the one guy I would consider is Jonu Smith. Uh, Bill Belichick mentioned, um, as you said, that uh, – He's as good of a guy after the catch as there was. But again, they didn't throw the ball too much against New England. He had just one catch for nine yards. And it was your boy Ferkser who got in the end zone. Um, I, I think overall it's Derrick Henry really or bust. And here's a, another reason Jonu Smith, maybe not the hottest of options. The Ravens gave up the fewest fantasy points in the entire NFL to tight ends in 2019. What about the Ravens on the other side? Uh, they seem like a pretty narrow bunch Lamar, Mark Ingram's expected to play. What about their receivers and tight ends? Well, one of the things I would do is keep an eye on Mark Ingram's status because one thing that I think you could consider because we have such a short slate, especially if you're playing a Saturday-only slate, Gus Edwards is going to get carries regardless. We, we've seen him get carries in games Mark Ingram was active. But if there are any hints that Mark Ingram's less than 100%, Gus Edwards could be a sneaky play. He's a guy we saw go out there and put up 21 for 130 rushing uh, in week 17, obviously, with Ingram out. He had 12 carries for 66 yards the previous week. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry uh, this season. Remarkably similar numbers, by the way, from last season to this season for Gus Edwards on the ground. Last season, he had 137 carries for 718 yards and two touchdowns at 5.2 yards per clip. 
This year, he had 133 carries for 711 yards and two touchdowns at 5.3 yards a clip. So he's a guy who can get going downhill. So I think um, Gus Edwards could be a sneaky play for you if you think Mark Ingram's going to be a little bit less than 100%. Uh, Tennessee obviously has been pretty solid defensively this year. I don't think they have any matchup where you'd consider it super restrictive. So I think you could consider Hollywood Brown uh, on the perimeter. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's going to be number one at quarterback. Uh, I don't think we have to discuss that. Um, Lamar's going to be the most, uh, probably the most heavily owned quarterback on the slate. I don't think that's uh, breaking any news to you there, Ross. But, uh, uh, and I think Mark Andrews is going to be one of those top three hammer tight ends this week with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. So we have so we have everything kind of playing out for Baltimore um, that that has been uh, that's been pretty good for them all season. I don't think I would change any of my analysis about Baltimore heading into the wild card if I'm playing DFS. The one guy that I would check out though. In the event Mark Ingram is less than 100%, is Gus Edwards. That's that's the other guy here that I think is worthy of consideration. Let's move on to the games on Sunday. But before we do that, I need to make sure as people move on to 2020, Joe, that they have precision engineered tools for their family jewels. It's important. I'm just telling you guys, it matters. You don't want to have a whole, I mean, listen, hair is not your friend. Okay, a lot of hair down there is not your friend from a smell perspective, from a sweat perspective, from a looks visual perspective. It's just not. Let 2020 be the year that you take care of business down there. It'll help you take care of business in every other aspect of life. Manscaped has the lawnmower 2.0, which is precision-engineered proprietary skin-safe technology. It won't nick or snag your you-know-whats. Plus, you get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code FEAST at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code FEAST at manscaped.com. Free shipping, manscaped.com. Use code FEAST. Your balls will thank you. Who will thank Joe the balls in the Texans and Chiefs matchup? Texans was basically just Deshaun Watson heroics against Buffalo, but they are expected to get Will Fuller back against the Chiefs. Yeah, so this is going to be very interesting. Um, we, we saw uh, against Buffalo, I mean, Houston was outplayed for virtually the entire game, but Deshaun Watson makes a couple of plays. Buffalo makes key mistakes, and, you know, you let a guy like Deshaun Watson hang around. When he's got DeAndre Hopkins at his disposal, he's going to hurt you. Uh, he takes off 14 times running in that game against Buffalo, which was not just the highest of the season. I believe it might have been the highest of, of his career thus far. 14 rushes, including uh, including all regular season games. It was the most of his entire career. So I don't know if the Texans exactly want Deshaun Watson to be doing that. But the thing about Kansas City is you look at these teams and when, when you're going up against Kansas City, the narrative is, oh, it's going to be high scoring. So you load up on both sides. And that's fair. The over-under in this game is 50 points. It's the highest of the slate uh, projected. However... 
Did you know, Ross, that Kansas City gave up the second fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this year? I don't th- I don't no. think many people would understand that. And I think that's why Kansas City is a live, live team to win the Super Bowl this year. Because even though Patrick Mahomes' numbers have dipped, their defense has been far better. They've been generating pressure. Their coverage has been solid. So I wouldn't necessarily assume that DeAndre Hopkins is going to go out there and go absolutely nuts. Uh, however... These two teams did play earlier in the season. They played uh, back in week number six, and Deshaun Watson threw for 280. He did get picked off twice. However, he had two rushing touchdowns. He took off 10 times rushing. Carlos Hyde had a strong game, runs for 116 yards. How about Carlos Hyde, by the way? He drops the uh, he drops the pitch, and then Bill O'Brien goes right back to him on the swing pass for the touchdown. I thought that was a little bit nifty that they did that uh, for Carlos Hyde after he, he dropped a walk-in touchdown, and then they gave him the opportunity to catch one on the very next play. So Deshaun Watson had a good fantasy game, not the strongest of actual games. And DeAndre Hopkins against Kansas City last time out, just nine for 55 on 12 targets. Will Fuller just five for 44. So they couldn't get anything going down the field. Their leading receiver in the game was actually Darren Fells, uh, who had 69 receiving yards. So you saw back in that game, even in a game that Houston won, DeAndre Hopkins only went for nine for 55. We're going to rank him high, of course, this week. And we know how much better Deshaun Watson's been with Will Fuller on the field. But I wouldn't be so quick to assume that this that these games are just going to be uh, that this game's just going to be high flying on both sides. Even in a game Houston won by a score of 31 to 24, their receivers down the field did not get it going. They actually won that game on the strength of the run game. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, on the other side, with the Chiefs. You talked about their defense. What about them offensively? Uh, I think one of the most important players in the entire playoffs is Damian Williams. And I know, you know you're going to go, RBs don't matter and all that stuff. But I think the Chiefs have been just scraping for something with their run game. And Damian Williams came into that game in week number 17, and he provided them something that they really had not had in a number of weeks. Uh, two weeks uh, two weeks ago, in week 16, 16 carries for 65 yards, three for 27 and a touchdown um, uh, receiving. Then in week 17, 12 for 124 and two touchdowns rushing. He had four for 30 receiving. So Damian Williams, last year, I think he was such an important part of their offense because he provided them an explosiveness in the run game and especially what he does as a receiver. Uh, I think that's so important to Patrick Mahomes, and I think he was missing that with Damian Williams in and out of the lineup a lot this year. And you have to consider what happened with Devin Singletary last week for Houston. He had just 13 of 58 rushing. However, Singletary, with a season-high six catches for 76 yards receiving, there was clearly something Buffalo thought they could exploit in the screen game, the short pass game. So I actually really, really like Damian Williams this week. For, uh, for Kansas City, they have shown that they don't trust LaShawn McCoy. Maybe he'll come in. Maybe Darwin Thompson will come in to spell Williams here and there. But I think Damian Williams is their lead back, and I think his speed is extremely important, as is the speed of Tyreek Hill and, uh, and Travis Kelsey on the perimeter. Um, this is obviously a really, really difficult matchup for anybody to defend. Uh, we saw 
when these two teams played earlier this year, Mahomes threw for 273 and three touchdowns. Two of those touchdowns went to Tyreek Hill, five for 80 receiving. So Tyreek Hill is going to be very chalky. I think Travis Kelsey is going to be very chalky. But I honestly think my favorite player for DFS in this game is Damian Williams. Got it. I like that. Um, and I understand what you're saying about the chalky guys as well. Uh, let's get to the last game, um, Joe, and that's the Seahawks and the Packers. We can start with the Seahawks. I would imagine there will be some people on DK Metcalf this week, including probably the Packers trying to cover him. What a game he had against the Eagles. And I mean, just taunting the Eagles. And and uh, I'm breaking no news to Philadelphia Eagles fans, but it was probably hard for them to swallow. That game was hard for them to swallow in multiple reasons, but uh, none harder than the fact that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was held without a catch uh, while watching D.K. Metcalf go absolutely nuts. I think the guy's just special right now. And, and it's a perfect marriage of skill set with the quarterback and the wide receiver. This is an aggressive throwing quarterback in Russell Wilson, who happens to be, in my opinion, I know they mentioned it on the broadcast, the best deep ball thrower in the NFL right now. And DK Metcalf can go down there and he can get behind a secondary and he can torch you. So DK Metcalf was a very popular DFS play for good reason against Philadelphia. And he, and he took advantage of it. Now, Green Bay had a secondary that overall did a nice job on wide receivers. Actually gave up the sixth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this season. But I think Jair Alexander, he and the boys were a little bit up and down. This is not a matchup that I'm going to think that Tyler Lockett, who also made a spectacular catch against Philadelphia, uh, and DK Metcalf are not going to be able to exploit. On top of that, we're looking at the game. The only game that as of now, and we're recording this on Monday afternoon, is lined under a touchdown. Um, this is a three-and-a-half-point line with Green Bay. I think I think the bookmakers are acknowledging, A, Lambeau's a tough place to play, and Seattle is banged up. Um, so I think they're giving Green Bay a fair advantage here, but they're also giving Seattle a live shot here as an underdog uh, to come in there and pull the upset, and that's because of Russell Wilson and these, these receivers. And I'm struggling to find out the reasons why Seattle just doesn't let Russell Wilson go off. But we also have to analyze it from the fact that we're playing a game not how we would coach the Seattle Seahawks. We have to look at how Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer coached the Seattle Seahawks and relay that for fantasy. Just because we might want Russell Wilson to drop back 45 times, roll out, do some designed runs, doesn't mean that's how they're going to play. Philadelphia shut down Seattle's run game that entire game, and they still stuck with it. Travis Homer was a non-factor. Marshawn Lynch looked like Marshawn Lynch, but he was mostly a factor on early downs and inside the goal line. If you play Marshawn Lynch for DFS, he's somebody that you really need to hope gets a touchdown. Travis Homer, who they actually started because they consider him, I guess, their most explosive, most versatile back right now, was a non-factor. But Green Bay, as a team gave up 90 receptions to the running back position that's tied for 10th most in the NFL. So I think Travis Homer actually is an, is an option where you could consider saying, hey, look, he didn't do anything against Philadelphia, but Philly's run defense has been great all year. Green Bay gave up the seventh most rushing yards to running backs and the 10th most receptions. I actually think Travis Homer is a solid under-the-radar player for DFS this week because he's coming off a game where he did nothing, Marshawn Lynch scored a touchdown. I actually think he might be on the under-owned side. And in a game where, you know, things are close, 
his receiving ability might be very important. I agree. And also, I mean, the Eagles' run defense is just so good. And Fletcher Cox was unbelievable Wrecked the game. in that football game. He was he was the good. Speaking of the goods, Butcher Box, my favorite meat delivery service ever, Joe, ever. All the meat is free of antibiotics and added to hormones. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. It is a no-brainer. If you are looking to get healthy or eat healthier, I'm telling you, grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, I've had it all, and it's delicious. And right now, you can get two pounds of salmon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box. Just go to butcherbox.com slash feast or use promo code feast at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash feast or use promo code feast at checkout. Who, Joe, may I ask, is going to feast for the Green Bay Packers against the Seahawks? Well, we were talking about those narrow fantasy teams. Well, the Green Bay Packers are one of them. Uh, we'll see if Jamal Williams plays in the backfield. But Aaron Jones has been really their, one of their most important offensive players because I don't I don't think Aaron Rodgers has played particularly well. And I, I think there there is some exaggerated um, nature of his demise, Ross. Like, oh, you know, he's just not elite anymore. But you watch that game against against Detroit in week 17, and it's kind of hard to argue. Yeah, he threw for 323 and two touchdowns, but it took him 55 passes to do so, and he completed under 50% of his passes. How how often do you see that? Two of his last three games, Aaron Rodgers completed under 50% of his passes. And look, we're I think Seattle is exploitable in the secondary. Nobody is going to say, because they gave up nine points to Josh McCown, that all of a sudden their defense is fixed. I don't think anybody's going to say that. Um, however... You look at this, uh, you look at Aaron Rodgers and look at his level of play and you're like, hmm, I can see this really starting on the ground, the screen game. Um, Seattle had given up 815 receiving yards to running backs this year, fourth most in the NFL. So I think Aaron Jones is going to be very important in that in that regard. And I also think Devontae Adams is going to be exceptionally important. Uh, I'm not breaking any news there. The one guy who I think for for Green Bay that I might consider for DFS, who never would have been in consideration for me um, in a normal slate, but simply because of how the numbers are going. Seattle gave up the second most fantasy points to tight ends this year. Maybe you give Jimmy Graham a shot, see if he's going to be able to get in uh, in 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 the uh, into the end zone. And another player worthy of consideration for Green Bay, Alan Lazard, who had 17 targets. Over his final two regular season games, he's finally emerged as kind of the number two wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers trusts. So I think Alan Lazard and Jimmy Graham, two guys who wouldn't normally be in consideration on a normal slate, are both worthy of of looks here, especially if you're looking to save money to buy into some other high-priced guys. Joe is so good. That was awesome, man. Really appreciate it. Got my DFS lineup ready. And if I want to place wagers, which I do like to do, betonline.ag is the place to be. Just use the promo code PODCAST1 
for the 50% 5-0 welcome bonus. That's the key. So you get a little action on the game, the DFS from DraftKings, from Joe's Insight. Then you listen to the Even Money podcast, which will come out on Wednesday. And you know exactly where to place your wagers for betonline.ag after you use the promo code PODCAST1. It really is that easy, that simple. And that will really do it for a Fantasy Feast podcast divisional round. Totally stuffed. I love the wild card divisional round. Four games. We're all talking about it. It's glorious. I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.